Hello, everyone. Welcome to A Step Ahead. Welcome to our second episode. So this is a podcast where you can gain some really valuable insight about your future career from industry experts. And for today's episode, we have our very special guest, Josefa Masoud. Uh, Josefa has graduated from the American University of Sharjah in 2022 with a Bachelor's of Science degree in Finance. and he is currently pursuing a chartered financial analyst or a CFA certification and he currently works in the compliance department within the legal division in Dubai International Finance Center Authority also known as DIFC and previously he's also worked as an account representative in Amazon Josefa uh, has actively been involved in AUS's extracurricular opportunities and he's done all of this while maintaining an excellent academic record so today our agenda is basically to discuss Josefa's educational background and his extracurricular experiences and how these experiences have helped him in his career and building his personality and also to understand more about what his roles at Amazon and DIFC look like on a day-to-day basis and lastly we would also like to know his opinions regarding AI and the impact it will have on finance compliance in the legal industry so welcome Josefa we're super excited to have you on today's episode how are you doing thank you very much for having me it's wonderful to be here and i love your energy i just love the idea of the podcast um i'm doing amazing and uh, i just got off from work a couple of hours ago so it's a refresher to be talking about work it's uh, it's just good to be uh, talking about to about this to people from the university and you know just brings back memories yeah i'm excited to be on this podcast and to discuss and share my experiences thank you so much all right so we'd love to start by asking you uh speaking of the fact that we all went to the same university and we're familiar with similar extracurriculars so how would you say that your educational background and your extracurriculars prepared you for your role because i know you went into amazon first so how do you think that sort of prepared you for your role in amazon so i'll just clarify a bit of the stuff here what happened was after the third year we were supposed to do an internship so that's where i got into amazon the three months of internship over there got a full time offer and then moved into the full time role so that's about 3 months of internship and 6 months of full time work um now how i got in was basically set of interviews did my extracurriculars actually help me to get the role not directly but i was trying to get into some other things i was trying to reach out to different people so i was a part of finance executives i was part of the entrepreneurship club and a couple of other initiatives such as ausmun the performing arts department So my extracurriculars ranged in variety. I was also fortunate enough to get the active scholarship, which basically again goes back to say that I was involved in a lot of stuff. Uh, there's a funny thing that I'd like to tell everyone that I didn't go to AUS to study. I went there to basically do the extracurriculars, and there was just a lot to do. So yeah, um, I just tried to meet a lot of people, try to get into anything that I could, and uh, at the same time make industry contacts. So that was. specifically for the finance club this was the finance executives within the sba and for that we had events i was the outreach coordinator and i would just try to get to know people outside just try to get them to do a webinar in our university one of the prominent ones was with city bank this is an investment banking role which i was really looking forward to and you know to get into so i reached out to some of the people over there 
through friends, colleagues, etc. And then I got to um, invite the company itself to go to do a webinar in AUS. So a couple of that stuff, it was professional as well. But I found the like I was just shooting around for all opportunities. I was fortunate to get the interview for Amazon because it was just one of the first interviews which I was doing. And then fortunately, just a week after they got back to me, done, you're in. I was like, okay, why not? You know, so I just accepted it. Yes. And uh, that's how it just began. How did I get into it? What kind of skills were required? I think mainly what they try to look at is how you solve problems. So in one of the interviews, they would really try to drill down on challenges that could come up in workplace. How do you deal with a situation where someone was uncooperative? How do you deal with last minute situations? You know, stuff like that. So in that part, I would agree. Extracurriculars would really help you out because then you can use example of a project that you've done. Maybe you've been a part of um, an extracurricular club, let's say um, the Entrepreneurship Club, and I, I was dealing with a team of eight or nine people and there were issues within the team. How did they resolve that? So when you give those really personal examples, it really helps out. So that's where the extracurriculars really make an impact. Some of the things that they try to see is your technical skills, you know, let's say Excel or let's say some other skill set, some work-related skills. That is where the academics would really come out and, you know, portray um, the part. And some other interviews or maybe let's say some other kind of rounds would be where they would judge some other aspect, let's say personality or some something else. It like it depends for different companies. So academics are very important, I would agree, but then extracurriculars play a role in how you get the job and how they look at you as a candidate. Um, now, if you sit tight and you have a GP of 3.9 or whatever, you don't get an interview or a job guaranteed. In some industries, it might. Let, let's say for banking, they really look at a GPA. You, they, you need a high GPA, 3.89. I think similar would go for engineering as well. You know, those really skills or um, academic-based kind of uh, jobs would really require that. But most of the jobs, let's say like 95% of the jobs, they don't really look at GPA as much. So if you have a GPA that's average or a kind of above average or anywhere between that, you know, it helps. But what really complements is what else have you been doing with your time? In university so have you built experiences have you done internships have you uh, been part of clubs have you really done um, activities where you can bring that skill set to the role so that matters a lot how you speak in an interview how do you engage with people because when they see communication skills they know that this person has dealt with people um, 10,000 or more during his past like let's say you're talking to a person who has dealt with only thousand people in the last one year versus the person who has dealt with five thousand people in the last one year you can see the difference in the communication skills so that really shows and the more people that you deal with the more clubs etc you are engaged with so in that aspect extracurriculars would also again shine out in you so i hope that kind of summarizes it very well how extracurriculars or academics makes a difference in your interviews or how the recruiters might look at it for sure, I think, Josefa, you gave us a really, really great summary. And um, like you mentioned, you know, joining clubs, uh, improving your interpersonal skills is a key aspect that employers look for. That was probably one of the main reasons how you got into Amazon is because of the way you presented yourself. And that's that's something really important for the listeners because uh, coming into university, 
people usually focus on just academics but it's equally important to understand that this is not school and this is another world by itself and you are preparing yourself for a world beyond academics now the academics is important but it's also important to be part of other activities clubs where you you know get to know people build relationships uh, build your build your personality and your skills you know coming to what you were doing at amazon so you were an account representative uh, like you mentioned you know you started off with an internship and then you got a full time role and obviously getting a full time role after an internship means some impressive performance uh, so tell us more about what your role at amazon looked like on a day to day basis you know yeah for sure um i've had crazy experiences and i'll be completely honest with you i think the listeners would also be um young students of university and i really need to tell tell them as things are how they went for me so this was uh, 2021 it was pandemic year kind of coming out of the pandemic but things were online i was hoping for an in person uh, company experience but when they told me that it's it's online and uh, i could come into the company whenever i wanted but well, you know what i was expecting was okay being there because i'm a very people kind of person i have, I, i want to be there i want that proper welcome experience out there so that thing was not there it was such a heart breaker like uh, so even my manager he didn't prefer coming to the office at all i met him only once and that also by the end of my internship so i just go over the internships quick, quickly before it was summer i would wake up uh, laptop there's a meeting going on i would join it i would understand a word it's the e-commerce industry and i'm a finance uh, student so it's a bit different for me uh, the discussing uh, company related jargon very very strong company jargon someone's getting scolded out some department is getting shouted at i was like wow like this is not something that i was expecting you know but then it's proper business that's going on they're really reviewing the business as it is for the last week what's going good what's going bad and i'm just supposed to be in that meeting listen to it and that's it so i would attend uh, a meeting of that sort and then the day would start i would have my food with me while i'm on the pc i would have some work assigned to me when the internship began so about 3 to 4 projects were assigned and there were not specific guidelines on how to do it it would be just two three statements on a problem uh it's completely open get the data from anyone in the company uh work around it use your creative skills and just solve it you know so like that's basically what my role was the title was account rep which is uh a account representative and usually the word rep is used for sales kind of roles but this was a more for business development or process optimization role and if i use the right term it's called program manager internship so they used the wrong title they gave me the role of program manager the internship was a program manager so i don't know what what was happening there they messed up something or what but this this thing was very weird with uh, how my internship went again i'm going to be very honest with it uh, yeah they messed up with the titles a bit they messed up with the role a bit but what the work was i kind of liked it it was solving problem using excel using um, calling up people uh, which is basically understanding problems from the amazon's clients itself uh, how i could visualize the data better for them so these kind of challenges were there um, i was given 3 months and the idea is the better results that you show in 3 months 
uh, the better their outlook on you, how you look at the problem. So I think this is a pointer for those who are going to be doing their internships this summer or probably in future. Keep in mind that always ask people. So in my internship, I would always go out, talk to people, how to solve this problem, how can I structure it, how would they do it? And they would give me tips. People were very friendly. They keep um, a list of people that I have to meet mandatory. And I would go out, talk to those people very friendly. They would guide me on how this works. They would tell me the do's and don'ts, how to go about during this internship, how can I secure the role full-time, how can I really impress. And they told me the more people that I, that I talk to, the better. So, Zefa, what do you think is an essential skill that everyone must develop for general success in any field? Networking, meeting people, talking to people is a huge skill. Um, and this is something you'll, you'll just uh, uh, thank me for your whole life if you develop the skill while at university because it will help you. Talk to a lot of people in your company, even if they're not from your department. Just go out, talk to them, uh, make a random reason and make it look natural at the same time don't be robotic don't be like hello how are you doing uh what do you do here etc that sounds very weird for someone who is busy working and some intern just barges in so yeah keep it kind of cool just tell them that you're working on this project and uh, how could you solve this or just get someone up at, at coffee break whatever just find a way because it will help you so Josefa, what was your experience with your line manager so yeah the manager was very absent this is something which is there in amazon and i think a lot i'm not sure for every corporate if this is the case but for amazon it was the opposite of a micromanager a micromanager is someone who really looks at your task what time are you coming in what time are you going in amazon they didn't care whether i'm not working for the whole week they don't care so it was flexible that that, that thing is good but then the point is if you might not end up working if that is the case and then they will catch you later on you know so it, it, it will just show in your work that your work is not done properly if they gave you three months it's not really up to the mark it will just show so i really had to push myself i really had to um, get feedback from the manager i had to push him to give me feedback which is something some people would find it weird you know usually in a lot of companies the managers give you the work here i have to ask them am i on the mark is my work going well, et cetera, et cetera. Usually the manager did not have that much time. So this is kind of, kind of a culture which my team had specifically. Not a lot of things would have. I remember my colleague from university who was also doing internship in Amazon in different department. Her manager would keep her on her toes until late night, 10 p.m., whatever. But I was so chill, like I was relaxed. So I, so I had an amazing experience and I delivered very well on, the, on, on, on my project as well. And also I would go to the office once a week just to meet with people at the office. Again, my manager would never show up. He was the guy who would stay at home. I met him at the end and he gave me the good news that, you know, the management is really trying to push for taking me into the role. They use a specific term called that you are in the pipeline. I was like, what does that even mean? Like, should I be happy or not? But then pipeline basically means it's a path to the job. And I was like, is it secure? Am I done? Or does the pipeline mean you're not confirmed yet, but next in line? Well, like, what does it mean? He's like, no, no, you're confirmed. Like, be happy. I was like, okay, thank God, you know. And a month later, after my internship was over, I got the offer letter. The, there were a lot of career fairs, events happening in AUS. I would still attend those. I would still go for those, you know, just to understand what's going on in the market, what kind of salaries other companies are offering. Of course, I would compare it with Amazon. Um, and yeah, so guys, apply for as many jobs as you can. Say yes when they offer you. This is something which a lot of people would say that, no, confirm with one and don't 
say yes to multiple job offer etc it doesn't look good i would say apply for a lot and uh, at the end pick what works best for you which interests you best in the beginning money may not matter as much the right skill set or where you see yourself going in 20 years or 10 years with that job would matter and this is why i did not want to work at amazon i did not want to get a full time job because it wasn't really related to finance so i was looking elsewhere but no other company was offering as much money as amazon was offering so i was like oh, like this is something i should go for it was a mistake which i would say i did and i should have applied to other companies i should have gotten offer letters from them and then really looked at my option so hozefa for someone just jumping into the job market how do you think that a person should view the companies and the pay skills that they're looking at when picking out what job they want to go into i've always uh, looked at companies in different stacks so let's say there's a gold premium level the top of the line any company in its field which is on top of the line would give the best salary let's say in e-commerce if amazon is at the top they would give the best salary in e-commerce what other companies might be there let's say noon talabat let's say in banking or finance which companies at the top the investment banks would come at the top that would be goldman sachs goldman sachs right yeah uh, jp morgan that's the pinnacle like there that's where huge amount of money is made that's proper investment banking morgan stanley morgan stanley i think would come second second rate slightly below Standard Chartered is a commercial bank they do have investment banking segment Citibank is a commercial bank they do have investment banking sector which is amazing if you can get into it just cuz you're in Dubai you don't have a lot of investment banks to develop but just speaking from a finance perspective for those who are uh, doing a finance degree there are smaller investment banks also but they will not pay as much as Standard Chartered or uh, uh, you know those second rate which i call second rate but they are the best in ue basically and then there's hsbc which is also come at same level as citibank there's a couple of those and then you come at the lower like corporate finance kind of roles etc there is the big four as well which are good in accounting finance and other consulting roles a lot of industrial engineers also go there um, their salaries may not be as good as uh, the good good banks but yeah it's good as well the lowest is like the companies which are based out of apartments some are startup companies that they pay according to that level so there's a whole science to it i studied that science the 3 years that i was there in the university before applying for internship i understood the science what's going on and i would suggest you guys to do the same anyways going back to the main topic full time role um i started it money was good um i didn't really want to do it because it was not directly about my field I got this scholarship to do the CFA within almost the last semester um and it just gives you a coupon you can start the course and then you can choose an exam date my exam date I am going to keep it for November and I'm going to prepare for it until then it takes a long time to do CFA and uh, usually if you're doing it with your work it takes even longer aha uh-huh. so so now coming to your main role what did that look like about my main role um 6 months this was in person now i had to go into the market make contacts and uh, really try to bring business for amazon this was a proper account rep role i was offered a role but this was different to what i had done in my internship so i don't see myself over long term going towards that i really wanted to go back to finance hence i was planning to move out of that that's really interesting so can you share a little bit about the work culture at amazon and does this work culture vary from place to place amazon has an amazing culture from a corporate employee perspective 
And uh, then there's a culture that the team creates. So the team in UAE, they created their own culture. And uh, so some, sometimes they would have outings, etc. Sometimes people would be really stressed. So that's where I got to see the ugly parts of culture as well. But I never felt the pressure myself. Uh, my place was kind of chill. That sounds fun and scary at the same time. So, so tell us what made you want to make the switch? I really want to be in a place where I'm in a public role, working with the government or at a higher level than just corporates. So this is where I thought that it might be a better move for me. Also, I want to go back towards finance or at least be around finance, the world of finance, or see how I could get into it, really. And after six months is when I made the switch towards DIFC authority. I was working with the DIFC authority in compliance, and now I've been moved to data protection. So it's been five months so far. Really nice. I love the place. The building is amazing. The office is really luxurious. I have a good relationship with uh, the team, the people. I move around the office. I talk to different people. I try to network, add them on LinkedIn, etc. They remember my face. They know me. It's good for your own personal profile. Apart from that, I have attended a lot of conferences as well. So DIFC has a lot of events that they do within DIFC as well as outside. You might be familiar with the Dubai FinTech Week. This was organized by DIFC. It included a lot of uh, companies, mainly banks, financial institutions, etc. I got a chance to be a part of the organizing team for that. So really like my experience so far. And now I moved to data protection, which is another cool field. It's all about how your data is used by the companies. So in Europe, the data protection laws are amazing, but in this part of the world, it's still developing. So I get to be on that side of Dubai where development is going on, on that side of law where the laws are still being implemented or changed. That sounds really intriguing. So tell us what your role in data protection is all about specifically. What I do as part of my work is I do inspection on entities that are there in the IFC. They're following the laws or not, whether the activity that they're doing is according to what's there on their license. So it's a bit of that process, regulatory and legal aspect. I have to do background checks on entities. I have to do criminal checks on entities, whether someone that has come in with a lot of money, what was the source of his money? How did he make it? Did he have a job? Did he have a business? Or did the money just come out of thin air? So we really investigate those. We go back to the clients. We have a call with them. Background checks on entities would usually involve uh, looking at their history, if there is anything that's flagged on them, on our systems, and uh, maybe they might have been involved with trafficking, uh, money laundering, etc. So we look at we look at those at those aspects and judge individuals accordingly. And uh, the data protection rule, what it involves is the laws are kind of basic in UAE. So I have to look at the entity, how they process data. Let's say um, Hasnan, you go tomorrow to an ice cream shop in DIFC. You get an ice cream, they they use your information for sign up or whatever purpose. They will store your information. Are they going to process it? Are they going to store it on a server outside? Even if they store your information on a Google Sheets, that's them sending information outside. So, you know, we have to look at all those aspects. And you as a customer, you need your data protected. We really look at those things and how we can protect uh, data rights and data um, in this region. So who are you basically working with on a day-to-day basis? I'm still at a very beginner level. I'm working with lawyers within the firm, and I work with the assistant vice president. And uh, this is what the role is completely about.
I think that was a wonderful answer. And we have a lot to unpack from what you said. So we started off sort of with COVID and obviously the impact that it had on people. And this lack of networking and lack of face-to-face interaction, I think, is something that our generation has suffered from a lot because we really had to adapt on the spot and develop those skills through a screen, which is something completely unprecedented that we never thought of. And then a few other things that I really liked that you mentioned was getting advice from experienced people. I think that's really, really important because they, at the end of the day, they have a lot more experience in the field and they can give you that advice that will push you forward. And then it's also very interesting to look at this work culture, this difference where you said how Amazon was a little bit more flexible, but flexibility is not I think this is an interesting topic. Flexibility is not always a good thing because as much as it is good for you, it might also hinder you from reaching your full potential at the end of the day as well. I really liked this, the word you used, science. So understanding the science of how jobs rank and really analyzing that before you apply for a job. Do you think you have anything to add about um, the comparison specifically between the the work culture in Amazon compared to the work culture in DFC? Yeah, for sure. So Amazon is, I think they're still hybrid. So it, there's much more openness to that. The manager is not on to you. They're not watching you completely. Uh, your work really re- reflects how much, how many hours you're putting in. They don't uh, look at the clock and then look at you whether you're arriving on the dot, etc. But with DFC, um, yeah, people arrive on time. There is a specific set schedule that they follow. So it it like for me to transition from this to uh, DFC, I really felt that yeah, DFC is a job job. You know, like it looks like that. You have to dress up in a certain way. I have to go in a suit and uh, I have to look formal. But in Amazon, I wasn't really required. I like I kind of dressed in a business casual attire. Some people would be dressed in shorts, you know. So that's a uh, culture in tech companies. I think something which I should really touch upon is the transition from university culture to work culture, because I think that's really of much uh, larger significance here. So in university, you're surrounded by people your age, you're really working uh, on, uh, you know, your your studies and your extracurriculars. And then, you know, there's events going around all the time. But in companies or like once you start work, you don't get that. I did a lot of that stuff in AUS. I still missed it a lot. And I was like, you know, work is not fun at all. People are not chatting all the time. People are not hanging around, etc. Everyone's working. Like, why are they working? But that's literally what it's supposed to be. And a lot of people are so old. So even Amazon, I think I was the youngest student in my team. The other person who was closest to my age was 30 or something of that sort. So you can notice the difference, you know, a 22-year-old and the closest person to your age is 30. So going outside for breaks or whatever, you know, like some people go for a smoking break and you're chatting with it. You really realize that these people are like married and they're getting apartments etc and then you feel like where have you come so the age gap is huge especially when you go into companies that don't hire in batches some companies they hire fresh graduates or you know interns in groups there you have people to talk you know your age but then some companies they're they're, they're very specific about who they hire university life is completely like it gets wrapped up once you graduate so you you will miss that um, and the change is different it's not always very smooth for a lot of people so because I was missing university stuff, what I did is I created a professional network and I catch up with people who were from my batch and we we're working as well. So we talk about work, we talk about other stuff. But yeah, you kind of need to keep that socially, social circles alive because out of university into work life, there's a huge change in dynamic and you just have to keep keep it alive.
True, I think, uh, Huzafa, as you mentioned, you know, that that gap in age with your colleagues probably takes a bit of a toll on your mental health and your just your general, uh, your experience working with the team. Uh, but again, you know, keeping your connections with people in university, your ex-batchmates is something which is important because you really understand what they're going through and, you know, just understanding what sort of problems they're facing and connecting with them uh, makes you feel much lighter, I guess. Um, and obviously, one important thing that we also wanted to touch upon is that, so you, you've, you know, you have transitioned to a job which is related to the legal aspect and compliance. You know, so how did that finance degree that you took uh, prepare you for this, you know, this this type of a role? So when I was applying for this compliance role, actually, I'll tell you guys how I applied for this role. It wasn't through application or something. I had sent application to DIFC authority, but it just doesn't work through that. Um, I had a friend who worked there before, and uh, she knew her manager, and I sent my CV through her. So she gave me, so she talked to her manager, she gave me the email address I did through that, and then they called me and they told me they're looking for um, only locals, but if they don't apply or whatever, you know, so like through that process, they would take me. But like there was a process, but it wasn't exactly through the website. So this is a pointer, guys. Not everything would work through the websites. Um, there's a lot of uh, volume on the website. Do your best over there. This is a best hack that I can tell anyone. Go on LinkedIn, find that company's name, and then you will find connections or second-rate connections to you through LinkedIn on that company. So for example, I go to XYZ company. I see that someone from my university works there. It's easier for that guy to reply to me than if I message someone in the company. So I will do that, and uh, that guy might reply back. I'll ask for a referral, whatever you know. So like, that's so much more easy. This is a huge point which everyone should follow. Um, and at the same time, keep applying everywhere that you can through the online portal. Going back to the degree and how it helped. So the rule is not exactly finance related. It's called compliance, but when I understood what compliance means. It's more of uh, a legal or uh, regulatory or policing kind of thing instead of finance. But there is an aspect of reading financial statements and those things, looking at the details. So finance kind of plays a role in that, but not exactly and not um, 100%. This is something which you'll have to learn through your um, uh, you know, work experience that the degree is not 100% going to tie in with what you do at work. I think a lot of people that I know People who have done engineering degrees also, they're doing sales kind of roles. So, yeah, this degree is not really going to be 100% applied. If you look for a role to really apply your degree, it's going to be very dif difficult and you really have to focus on niche areas. Um, but this is also a question which I have to ask myself, you know, while I'm doing my CFA level exam. Am I really going to find it worth doing this exam while pursuing a role which doesn't exactly require the finance skill set? But then you do the side degrees or the, you know, the certifications for future cases. When you look at career, look at it as if, what if you lose your job tomorrow? Can you sell your skill set in the market? If you can, then you have built yourself and you really fortified yourself and your skill set. If not, then you really need to think about um, how you have positioned yourself. Have you really learned something? Because that is when you matter to the economy. Think of yourself as a freelancer. Can you do what you're doing as a freelancer or not? If you cannot, then you really need to build those skill set. What does a freelancer require? They require technical skill set. Can you do a job from A to Z completely? Or do you rely on a manager to tell you stuff and then you get it done? 
if you can do the job on your own from A to Z, you have communication skills that you can talk to a client, you have presentation skills that you can uh, deliver the job um, in, in, in a summarized format, etc. And you can do something from A to Z as in technical skill set. Then you are really a freelancer and then you can sell your skills. Then you can get any job out there. Always think of it in this way. Are you a complete package or not? If you're not, then when you lose your job, when you're going to the market to search for a new job, you're a fresh graduate, etc. It's going to be very hard for you. Certification and industry level knowledge is utmost importance. If your job leads to yourself learning towards the skill set, if you're to do certifications to get those skill set, do that. I've looked myself accordingly, and I think getting the certification, etc., will really help me. My degree would complement that as well. Um, so doing a finance degree will not help you to get a job, but doing a certification will help you to get a job. A lot of people in AUS, they're doing ACCA and a job they would look for ACCA because ACCA is hands-on work that a lot of job uh, required for an accountant. So if there's an accountant job, they would hire an ACCA, probably not someone who has an account degree because accounts degree doesn't really make you full package. But when you have the certification, then yes. Um, and then, yeah, AUS has given me other skills that I will brief out over here. Instead of doing a minor, I really try to go for skill-based courses. I'll detail those out. SQL, in my internship, my manager told me that when you come back to the job, back to Amazon, you need to have SQL skill set. So I went to such a course. Uh, there's a programming course um, in business. It was Python. So that's something which is very important if you can get that on your CV. There is Power BI. There's Tableau, data visualization, Excel courses. I did all of those. Um, I did a data science course also where I got to understand about R programming, SAS, and I have the, that on my CV. And when I look at for jobs, these skills are highlighted in the job description. So my CV would exactly match those. And hence, I would suggest that, guys, if you're picking courses, just be mindful of that. You know, really research out your industry. Or the best thing, if you're in second year or third year, go look for job descriptions for the job that you would want to do. And then prepare your CV according to that. So this just got me into the habit of looking at what skills are required in the industry and pick your courses according to that because that will matter a lot. Yeah, 100%. I feel like we started off, we come back to this theme of networking and how key it is in actually building because like you said, you actually knew someone in DIFC and that really helped you. So again, it's all about building those connections and the degree is sort of this complementary thing. You need to, like, like you said, you need to look at yourself as a complete package, complete certifications. And something that I really found interesting that I've never thought about is that I think when we go to university, we look at, okay, this is the degree plan and this is the courses that we need to do. So let's just tick them off like a checklist. But then you have, especially when you're looking at liberal arts education, you have all of these free electives, you have this space for extra courses. And I think it's very beneficial to actually do courses that will make you this complete package. So you're looking at what course is going to help me as opposed to, okay, it's just a checklist. I need to start. I just need to complete it and I need to finish the degree. So that is something that I've never thought of and I will definitely be applying. I think it's really important. And also tailoring your CV to a particular job, looking at the job requirements and making sure your CV meets that all these points are amazing and I think it's really going to help our audience. It's some really, really great pieces of advice, I would say. And so um, we'd also really like to look at something that's current and that I would say scares a lot of people, um, which is 
artificial intelligence, sort of like the elephant in the room right now. Um, so you work um, in sort of the finance, compliance and legal industry, if we have to put it all under one umbrella. So how do you think AI will actually impact these industries? Is it already impacting them or how do you think it will impact them in the future? Yeah, so currently what I'm doing with my manager as well is I'm trying to implement AI into our uh, work stream. So there's a lot of tasks which go step one, step two, step three, da, 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 da. and if we can eliminate this, there like we can save up the time of, uh, of our workforce. You can just automate this stuff and we can lose two or three employees. Not lose employees, but we can put them into something better, or, you know, like, um, like more creative tasks instead of doing manual work. Artificial intelligence is the solution to a lot of stuff, but there's a lot of steps that come before artificial intelligence as well. First of all, the company needs to have a digital infrastructure. So a lot of companies, they, they use Salesforce, a digital platform where a lot of work is organized. Whenever an employee wants to send a document, it's just one of those platforms which is used internally by the company. Yeah? Um, so what's happening is, can I create automation in that platform wherein some steps are done by the machine? I understood that we don't really need AI, we need robotic process automation because once this automation is done, so what this would do is pick up information from different forms and then apply it to certain uh, uh, criteria and then come up with an answer. So it would generate, understand data, generate a response to it and solve and, and basically um, solve the work or get it done for us. Now, AI is an additional level to that. There is an AI specifically for finance. It analyzes the market and then gives recommendation based on that. And people say that's going to completely take out analysts from investment banking or banking level rules because analysts build a financial model, they understand the market, they do research, et cetera, et cetera. While an AI can quickly do that within minutes and then produce graphs, models, et cetera. And then that just removes the lower levels. So what people need to do is go around it or whatever, you know, find, find a solution. But that's currently not really happening. There's a lot of steps that need to be filled in before we reach that stage. Um, currently, people are really looking at how we can apply this technology. A lot of companies are really uh, trying to take huge steps to implement the technology. People really try to show off how much AI can do. But how can these be implemented? So companies are in the implementation stage right now. So there is space for you as a newcomer to really come in the field and help the company to put this into effect, which currently I'm doing with my company. You know, I'm someone who knows about tech, uh, who understands how computer processes work. I don't know much in detail. I didn't do a computer science degree, but I've done a computer science course back in school. I've done some stuff. So I understand computer architecture a bit. And I know how these systems work in the background. Not much, but at a very basic level. So I can kind of guide, kind of understand how these things are connected. And you can help to transform that. Let's say you're an accountant. You can look at a system and then you can say, how could I transform this? Can you come into the company and then help them implement AI and then whatever work is being done, transform it into AI? Because you are entering that role. You have the skill set of, let's say, an accountant. And then you're looking at the work and then you think, how can I automate it? And then you work with an, a tech consultant or whatever. And then you automate the work because you understand the work. And now you help the tech consultant to automate it. So it's not really about the jobs being lost. It's about implementing right now. And after implementation, you would become kind of an expert on how the system was done. If there's any breakdown in the system, how to fix it. You're basically up upgrading and upskilling your job to work at a creative and at a higher thinking level than to do manual work. 
if that makes sense. Now, what's happening is also, yes, a lot of jobs might be replaced with AI, but this is where you have a chance to create something new for yourself. Whenever there's disruption in the industry, it's a good thing for the newcomer because people who are existing, people who've already set the status quo, they are good at what they do, but they're not really good at the new stuff. You can easily adopt that disruption and become good at it, become masters at it, and then sell your skill set. People in this time need to understand that you have to think from an entrepreneurial and from a freelancer aspect, not from a person who's looking for a job. So I, I, I believe it's one of those gold rush or one of those moments where something new has been discovered and anyone can bank on this opportunity as easily as a huge company. And when companies look like, like when they look at your CV and they see that, okay, you have any disruptive technology, AI, cryptocurrency, blockchain, whatever, Web 3.0, etc., they will really value that skill set because that's where a lot of companies are trying to go into. And when they look at someone new joining the company, they don't look for someone who can do the same stuff as a 50-year-old can do. They look at stuff that you can bring in new to the company. So an intern is someone that they train, but a full-time employee is what you as an employee can bring to the company. This is a huge difference. So this is where you really need to show that you are having a freelancer and an entrepreneurial mindset. You're giving them a package. Don't expect that the manager will tell you or someone is going to teach you how to do things. No, be a learner. Show them on your CV that, you know, this, this, this. Um, what I do on my CV is in the first two lines, I mentioned the kind of projects that I've done, how it um, is really tied up with the role. Uh, it's how you can stand out, especially with related to the AI. How can you, let's say, um, Huda, for example, I'll use your example, someone who is majoring in English language, how can you use your language skill set to search prompts on AI and get information out of it? Or how can you verify someone else's written abstract, whether it's built on AI or not, instead of wondering whether my job is going to be lost by AI? Because that's not happening now. That will happen a few years down the line. Right now, you're in a position where you can implement AI for them. Yeah, I think, Josefa, like you mentioned, a lot of interesting points. Uh, and AI is is an important part and an integral part of our life. And uh, we need to adapt to it. And like you mentioned, you know, if you're going to provide that unique value with the skill sets that you bring in, uh, for sure, that value will be seen and appreciated. And uh, it's, it's obviously, it's going to be beneficial for the company itself. But building your profile and, you know, your career prospects also keep on increasing with those kind of projects and the opportunities you work on. We're nearing the end of this discussion. So you've, you know, you have a great, you know, great experience with in university, working at Amazon now at DIFC. So what is one quote that resonates with all these experiences or, you know, that pushes you to try more and given everything you have, you know? I'm the kind of person who really wants excitement in life and, you know, really want to be moving around, doing 10 things at the same time. That's how I was at university, but a job, you cannot be like that. You have to stick to certain tasks and you have to do those. When you're doing something of your own, that is what really interests you. But then there's a lot of other questions you need to ask yourself as well. Um, there's something which is about what is a priority in your life. Do you want um, a job that pays very well? Do you want a job that would really satisfy you? Do you want a job that's fun? Or do you want a job that has prestige? There's so many factors to consider. I will give uh, a bit of insight into what I wanted to do. I wanted to become a filmmaker and actor. I had done, like I'm, I, I was an actor in AUS in the musical and different plays. I was singer, singer as well. But I knew that 
um, that is something which I cannot really monetize or not really do something about living in this country. I would have to go to an industry where films are made. It's, I have different fields and interests that, you know, like really, I'm, I'm really a branched out person. I have a lot of passions. So just being in the job, it just is not energizing for me. I reached out to someone on LinkedIn, just shot a message because this guy was a filmmaker. He's doing uh, his work in finance. And there's something I'm interested in is charities and helping people. He's into that. So these three things I saw in one person, I was like, this guy is what I want to be when I, like, you know, in future. Because he understands these three things and maybe he might resonate. Had a chat with him for four months. I worked with him on different stuff, kind of like a mentorship. And I've been working on a program for the last four months. It's called a social enterprise program for refugees in specific. Um, really been researching on that, how that would work, uh, talking to different NGOs, etc. Uh, got close to partnering up with someone in Turkey. But still, you know, I'm, I'm still connecting up with people, how we can implement that. So again, my advice to someone, to people would be, uh, things will change. A lot of stuff will happen as you grow. Be open to change. Keep yourself open to all possibilities. And once you get into work life, you will really get pushed down. Responsibilities will get over you. You might get burdened. But when you really think about it, you know, what do you have to lose in this life? You know, you can go free. You can go crazy. You can go wild at any time. That's why a lot of young people, they talk about financial independence and a lot of other things. Try to achieve those. And then always have in mind that you are a free person. And don't limit yourself. Don't get bogged down by different things. You know, a lot of people go back to doing what's safe for them. This is my idea. You know, like, okay, there are practical, practical things and limitations. Try to focus all of your energy into freeing yourself from their passive income stream. Think like an entrepreneur. Think, think like a freelancer. How can you move around the world and sell your skill set? You know, be useful, get money, etc. So think of it from that perspective or get a high paying job, work for six months and then do whatever else you want to do for the rest of the You know, like, always focus on how can you be free? How can you really free up yourself? Um, this is a long message, but it's a very valuable message, something that I've learned over the long and one year since graduation. But yeah, it's valuable. Um, always keep that passion and that fire alive inside you and uh, really make life worth living, you know? Yeah, I think that's some great advice. And like, I've, I've heard a lot of people say that 20s is the age when you, you know, explore, try to do as much as you can because you're not going to get that time back. And it's and it's a time where you don't have a lot of responsibilities for many of yeah. us. So you can actually go try, uh, learn new things, explore, you know, new, uh, new ventures, enter new fields. So I think, yeah, like you mentioned, you know, keep, keep your eyes open. Uh, don't, don't just uh, stay in the comfort zone, get out, try new things. And, uh, you know, thank you so much, Azafa, for joining us today. Uh, it was a great conversation that we had. You touched upon everything that we wanted to discuss with you. So thanks a lot for joining us. And uh, to all the viewers, we hope you were able to gain some valuable insight from an ex-Amazonian. And we hope to see you in the next episode. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much. I'd just like to echo everything that Hasnan just said. I feel like at one point I was listening to a motivational speech. I'm just <laughs> so ready right now to just get out there and just do everything I want. And I really hope that our listeners, and honestly, I can um, say that even not being in the same field that you are in, 
um, not even being in the field of business, I feel like there was so much that I was able to learn from what you've said. And I think that a lot of your advice can apply to any anything that you're studying. So to all of our listeners, even if you're not studying finance, um, a lot of what Josefa has mentioned can be translated very well into your career or whatever you are pursuing. So it's been a wonderful time. Thank you so much for your amazing advice. Everyone take care and have a great day.